Last week, Pastor John kicked off our series, Bedrock, and the question that we get uh, most often here at Twin Falls Reformed Church is, what does Reformed mean? And the short answer is, Reformed is our theology. Uh, 500 years ago, the Reformation happened, major event in human history, where followers of Jesus looked at what was going on in the church, uh, what the church believed and how the church was behaving, and they looked in the Bible and they concluded something isn't quite right here. And for people like Martin Luther and John Calvin and many others, what the church believed and what we believe as a church, it matters. And so they started to make reforms. And that's what the series is all about, bedrock. What we believe matters. And if what we believe doesn't matter, well, then what are we doing here? Um, there are some well-intentioned people who think what you believe doesn't really matter as long as you are sincere in your beliefs. Uh, they believe that all religions are the same. Um, it's an attempt at religious tolerance. Uh, it, but the problem with saying that all religions are the same is that you insult all the religions at the same time when you say that. Because basically what you're saying is that the distinctives of your faith really don't matter because in essence all religions are the same. Um, but the distinctives of a particular faith, they matter to the people that believe them. It's what brings uh, people of a certain faith together. And so to say that those things don't matter, well, that's insulting. Um, now, the point of this series is not to disparage other faiths. That's not what we want to do here. I believe in religious tolerance, and we need to love those who believe differently from us. But the point of the series is to reconnect with the essence of our faith. From the beginning, followers of Jesus have died for what they believed. And to this day, followers of Jesus continue to be killed for what they believe about Jesus. What we believe matters. And the essence of this series can be summed up in one sentence. Scripture alone teaches that salvation comes from Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God alone. Scripture alone teaches that salvation comes from Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God alone. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be beginning in verse 8 in a minute. Um, last week, Pastor John addressed the authority of Scripture. Scripture alone is the final authority of our faith. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at Christ alone, that only through Christ um, and what Jesus did on our behalf, do we come to experience salvation? Um, just quick background to Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 3, um, the apostles Peter and John, they perform a miracle, the uh, healing of a lame man. And now they are in front of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. And they are giving an account of what happened. Our scripture reader this morning is Jack Hamilton. Jack, if you can make your way up to the podium. As, he's, as he does, if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. We read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives. And we stand because we believe that this is the word of God. And so, Jack, uh, whenever you are ready, please read from Acts chapter 4, verses 8 to 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, 
rulers and elders of the people. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jack, thank you very much. You may be seated. You know, a universal truth about all people is that we like to tell stories. Um, all around the world, every culture, every generation, we tell stories. Books and movies and TV shows and plays and even many songs are about stories. Now, certain groups of people um, are more inclined to tell stories, you know, like fishermen. If you know any fishermen, good chance you've heard them tell a story. Uh, as a kid, I fished a lot in Wisconsin. And to this day, I could tell you about the time I caught a 21-inch catfish or a perch that was a foot long. And if you know anything about perch, that's a big perch, I'm just saying. Um, or a 37-inch northern pike. Again, that happened a long, long time ago. I could, I could still tell you the story. Um, golfers. Golfers like to tell stories. I've shared before how my father-in-law um, once killed a mallard duck while golfing. We were hitting over a pond filled with ducks, and he hit a low-line drive that skipped across the water, and he killed a duck. Um, unbelievably, his daughter, my wife, Shannon, has also killed a bird golfing. Uh, she had driven the ball of the tee, beautiful drive, through the air, and a bird flew right into the ball's path. The ball hit the bird, they both dropped straight down. Uh, she was golfing in a scramble, and her and her team went, saw the bird, saw the ball, took a picture, called it a birdie, moved on to the next hole. <laughs> Hunters tell stories, okay? We had a cabin in northern Wisconsin, again, when I was a kid, and uh, a bunch of hunters would come and stay during deer season. Now, I was too young to hunt at the time, but we would come up the week, the next week for Thanksgiving, and we heard all these hunting stories. Uh, the best one I ever heard was about Joe Covert. Uh, Joe Covert was walking through a bunch of pine trees, and, um, well, he had to go to the bathroom, and he didn't have to go wee-wee. He, um, he had to make a boom-boom, okay? Um, and so while he was doing his business, a buck walks by. Now that's, being, that's called being caught with your pants down. Um, but his gun was within reach, and I don't know if he put himself together first or if he shot first, but he got the deer, he got the deer. Um, shoppers tell stories. You know, if my wife goes shopping, um, you know, she'll tell me stories. Hey, I was at Maurice's and I saw this really cute top. And if she's gone with my daughters, if she's gone with some friends, you know, they'll affirm the story and they'll say, oh yes, it was a really cute top, really cute. And then she'll say, but I didn't have any shoes to go with the top. And then we were at Target and I found a pair of shoes that were perfect for that top. Oh yeah, perfect, just absolutely went with that top, really good, okay? And both the top and the shoes were on sale. All of us love to tell stories. And the key to the stories are those details that make the story fun. You know, when Joe Cover got the deer, we had to make field trips to see where it happened. Because, you know, over there is the toilet paper, and over there are the guts of the deer 30 yards away. Or like when my father-in-law killed the duck. You know, the duck 
it slowly tipped over after he hit it. And then the other ducks in the pond kind of gathered around as if to say, hey, what happened to Fred? Is Fred okay? What happened? Um, now, I could have made my point here by simply sharing the Joe Covert story, but I shared more stories. Why? Because I'm like all of you. I like to tell stories. Now, think of the stories the disciples had about Jesus. Now, the Gospels, they give the gist of the stories of Jesus. But imagine if the Gospels were written how we like to tell stories. And in highlighting the point of this morning, Christ alone, Christ alone includes the fact that Jesus' power is unique. Jesus' power is unique. If you look at verse 10 in Acts chapter 4, where it says, Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Just imagine what it'd be like hanging out with the disciples and listening to them tell their stories of what they experienced with Jesus. You know, about the time that Jesus walked on water, we were in the boat and he walked right up, up, walked right up to us and said, hi guys, how you doing? Or the time that Jesus calmed the storm. He just spoke and boom, the storm stopped and the water became like glass. Or the times that Jesus gave sight to the blind. Remember how their eyes just cleared up. Or the time that Jesus restored hearing to the deaf. And the guys just kept on asking us to say, hey, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? The time that Jesus gave the mute the ability to talk and the guy just wouldn't be quiet. He just kept talking. Or all the times that Jesus cast out demons. That was super freaky. They just came out screaming. Or the time that Jesus cured the leper. Remember, he actually touched the guy. Can you believe it? he touched the leper? Or the time that Jesus fed the 5,000. The fish and the bread, it just kept coming and coming and we kept having to go up the hill and down the hill to distribute it to all the people. It just never stopped. Or the time that Jesus turned water into wine. Yeah, and then it was a party again, remember? Or the time that Jesus put the ear back on the servant. Yeah, Peter cut his ear off and then Jesus looked down, picked up the ear, looked at Peter in haughty derision and then put the ear back on the guy. You remember the look on Peter's face? It was unbelievable. Or the time that he raised the little girl from the dead. Man, it was amazing. We just, we, we couldn't stop crying. Or the time that he raised Lazarus from the dead. Yeah, Lazarus, he's walking out of the cave and he still has all the bandages on. It was He's walking out with the bandages. Unreal. Listen to the stories. There has never been anyone like Jesus. And to top it all off, for his grand finale, he comes back from the dead. Christ alone conquered death. And there's another story. Jesus was in the temple. And he sees the selling of sacrificial animals going on. 
people taking advantage of those coming to worship. And so he makes a whip and he drives out all those who are doing the selling and he overturns the table of the money changers. And the Jews come and ask what authority he has to do this. And he says, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. And he's talking about himself. And they eventually kill him. And he comes back. And he appears to his disciples. And they start telling the story. Yeah, a few days after Jesus was crucified, we were all in this room and he appeared to us. Just showed right up. They start telling the story. And the world has never been the same. Jesus' power is unique. Christ alone conquered death. And Jesus' person is unique. Last week, Pastor John mentioned that according to one study, the majority of evangelical Protestant Christians believe that Jesus is a creation of God the Father. And that is not what the church has taught about the person of Jesus. And the Reformation makes that clear. If you go back to verse 11 in Acts chapter 4, where it says, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Christ alone is the Son of God. Christ alone is the Son of God. As it says in Matthew chapter 3, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Now, when we use terms like Father and Son in talking about God, we're using them in the metaphorical sense. The Son was not created by the Father. God has existed in a relationship from all eternity. That's what the Trinity teaches. One God, three persons. The Bible says God is love, and love is relational by nature. God is relational in his nature. What kind of a relationship? Like that of a father and a son kind of relationship. And Jesus is the son in that relationship. Christ alone is the son of God. And Christ alone is the word of God. The word of God appears in the very first chapter of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. It tells how God creates. And how does God create? Genesis 1 tells us. Well, God speaks. And when God speaks, he uses words. Let there be light. Let dry ground appear. Let the land produce vegetation. Let us make mankind in our image. And Genesis 1 goes on to say, and it was so, and it was so, and it was so, and it was so. And now Adam is in the garden, and God speaks to Adam, again using words, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, if Adam and Eve follow God's word, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they will have life. All they have to do is follow the word of God. And later, God forms the nation of Israel. 
And he delivers Israel out of Egypt and takes them to Mount Sinai. And he speaks to them, again using words, and he tells them in Deuteronomy, follow my word and you will live. All they have to do is follow the word of God. And so now we come to the Gospel of John. And the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, begins with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Christ alone is the Word of God. And in order to have life, all we have to do is follow the Word of God. It's been that way from the beginning. And Christ alone is God in the flesh. And this is where the idea of Jesus being a created being falls short, as it says in Colossians 2. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And Jesus did all kinds of things that only God was supposed to do. Uh, Back in the book of Exodus, when Moses asks God, what is your name? God says, I am. And Jesus in John chapter 8, when he's talking to the Israelites, he says to them, before Abraham was born, I am. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus forgave sins all the time. God is the only one to be worshipped. Jesus received worship. Christ alone is the Son of God. Christ alone is the Word of God. Christ alone is God in the flesh. Jesus' person is unique. And Jesus' position is unique, meaning only Jesus is in a position to save us from our sins. As it says in verse 12 of the passage from Acts chapter 4, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Christ alone offers salvation. Well, what about those who've never heard about Jesus or those raised in another faith? And I am very comfortable saying, I don't know the details of how the final judgment will work out. But my basic response So those kinds of questions is God is faithful and just and God will do what is right. And that's good enough for me. But anyone, anyone who is saved is saved because of Jesus. Think about it this way. Uh, We believe that Jesus is the one and only son of the Father. Now, first of all, if that's not true, well, then Christianity is false and we should just all go home, okay? But if, as we believe, Jesus is the one and only Son, well, many of us have children. Let's say in order to save the world, um, you could send one of your children to die on the cross in the manner in which Jesus died. That's option A for you to save the world. Or option B for you to save the world is you could send a bunch of great teachers to teach everyone how to be saved. Okay? What do you do? Well, even if you're really mad with your kids 
I'm pretty sure you take the second option. Right? Sending the one and only son to die on the cross for our sins, that's an extreme act. Why would God the Father send the son to die on the cross for our sins if it wasn't necessary? The only reason you do such a thing is because it's the only way. Christ alone offers salvation. And salvation is being restored in our relationship with God and our neighbors. That's what salvation means. We sometimes like to make salvation mean whatever we want it to mean. Well, we don't get to define what salvation is. We do not get to decide what salvation looks like. Um, we often look to Jesus as a means to our end. And so for us, maybe salvation is our health or financial prosperity or winning or success or romantic love or family. Well, Jesus' salvation really isn't interested in those things. Now, none of those things are bad. Health, prosperity, winning, success, romantic love, family, those are all good things. But they are not our salvation in Jesus. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Christ alone offers forgiveness of sins. Christ alone restores us to a relationship with God. And Christ alone restores us to our relationships with our neighbors. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. Christ alone conquered death. Christ alone is the Son of God. Christ alone is the Word of God. Christ alone is God in the flesh. And Christ alone offers salvation. Scripture alone teaches that salvation comes from Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God alone. Please pray with me. And Lord, we do just thank you for our salvation which comes in Jesus. And Lord, I would ask that you would um, open up our eyes, soften our hearts. And Lord, just to listen and to see the uniqueness of Jesus and what he means to us and how he is so worthy to be praised. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Receive God's blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.